And welcome to the Deuce Podcast. I'm Brad. And I'm Jeremy. Jeremy, it's episode 167. Ooh. And it's the beginning of the new year, and it's 2022. Yes. We made it that far, and some people didn't get to make it that far. Uh, We are celebrating uh, some of the people that we recently lost in the entertainment world. One of those is the great Sidney Poitier, who we lost, um, I want to say, what, a couple days ago from this recording. Yeah, a couple days before this recording. Yeah, and um, we are doing uh, the sequel to In the Heat of the Night called... They call me Mr. Tibbs. We're doing the 1970 film sequel to the follow-up of In the Heat of the Night called They Call Me Mr. Tibbs or They Call Me Mr. Tibbs. Yeah. Because the Mr. Well, and most most is, places that you see this now have mm-hmm. it all like in the regular like mixed case titling, but the okay. original... Was Mister? Yeah, the original card was that they had Mister all in capitals. Yeah, or they had Mister as Mister Mister from the eighties band. Yes, they called me Mister Mister Tibbs. Curie. <laughs> exactly like again. That. Sidney Poitier is uh, in the title role as he was in In the Heat of the Night. This time he is not in the South. He's not even in. Pennsylvania. Yeah. He's in San Francisco. So there's a lot of inconsistencies from the first movie that don't add up to this movie or the novel itself. Yeah. Which the novel was in pa- uh, Pasadena, I yeah. think, right? Yeah. Pasadena, yeah. California. That's where the novels were. I want to say. <laughs> Sorry, that's our cat. <laughs> our cat is. Our cat had to sit through this too. So our she's cat, weighing in. She loves Sidney Poitier. She does love Sidney Poitier, but. Not, to big, not love. a big Virgil Tibbs fan. To serve yeah, love. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> this movie also stars Martin Landau and uh, a toupee, toupee wearing Edward Asner. Yep. And Anthony Zerby. Anthony Zerby? Yeah. So um, Anthony Zerby, who uh, we might remember from like the Matrix 2. So he's like a deuce alum. Um, so he's been in some films. I think he was in the Omega Man as well. Um, but yeah, again, like it, it's got a decent cast, uh, to it. It also was the first on-screen role of, uh, John Hillerman. Oh, Higgins. Higgins from, uh, Magna P.I. Mm-hmm. It was his first, uh, his first role. Yes. Uh, it was uncredited, uh, but he was like a reporter. And he looks just as old as ever. <laughs> and he was he looks 38 like he's at 60 the time. then. Yeah, and he was 38 at the time. He always looks like he was like 55, 60. Yeah. No matter what he was playing. And he was in a bunch of Ellery Queen yeah. stuff before Magna well, P.I. Even, even, um, <laughs> even um, Ed Asner. So he oh, has, even he, he looks young, but yeah, he's wearing he, a toupee. A very yeah. clear toupee. <laughs> uh, and he is, uh, I mean, it's it's very obvious. And uh, But even then, like, it makes him look a little bit younger, but not young enough. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, but he was, he was only 40 mm-hmm. when this filmed, so. Yes. Yeah. 
directed by Gordon Douglas. Gordon Douglas, a couple of years before this, directed the movie The Detective with um, Frank Sinatra. And that's uh, what the, the movie or the, um, the novel The Detective, which is modeled after Die Hard, which we've talked like <clears throat> 400 times about in, yeah. on this podcast. Um, and uh, so there you go. That was set in San Francisco as well. Yes. So I don't know if they're just reusing sets probably, from, probably. from that, but it kind of feels like it. But uh, we'll get to it. But do we have a plot synopsis for this, Jeremy? We do. Uh, let me get that up here real quick. Uh, in San Francisco, a high-priced call girl is murdered, and the case is assigned to Police Lieutenant Virgil Tibbs. No, murdered, but yeah, we'll talk about how here yeah. in a moment. But. <laughs> His investigation has him <clears throat> crossing paths with suspects such as liberal street preacher and political candidate Logan Sharp, played by Martin Landau. Real estate owner and philanderer Woody Garfield, played by Ed Asner. Edward Asner. Edward Asner. Yes, he's credited as Edward, Edward. Asner. Uh, Edward Asner. Edward Asner. Uh, and drug dealing pimp Rice Whedon, played by Anthony Zerby. Mm-hmm. Also, Tibbs is battling domestic woes, including a frustrated wife and a rebellious adolescent son. Okay. Okay. And <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about the family stuff too, which kind of comes in a little weird in this movie for it me. It does, very weird. Um, I think it, think for you too as, as well. Um, sometimes feels out of place for me. In the original, in the heat of the night, um, he he says he's not married. Yeah. He also says he doesn't have any children or anything yeah. like that. Um, but that was also a, an ad lib scene uh, in the first movie. Yeah, and so I think he I think he gave his character some backstory. Mm-hmm. As they, as he and uh, um, Rod Steiger like ad libbed it, mm. and I don't think that he knew whether the character did or not. It's a, it's a great scene in the original movie, yes. right? To where um, for Rod St- uh, Steiger uh, and his character more building off of that, not necessarily him. And you feel like maybe he could possibly be married, and he's just not saying anything. To him, it's a very it's it's a scene that doesn't really give a lot of exposition, right, right, but does give a lot at the same time. Uh, but we just don't know, and it's not consistent enough for this movie. Yes, I agree. And if that's a major plot point for this movie, not really even a plot point, but like something to fill time in the movie, why? You yeah. know, it almost becomes why. I, There's I, a lot of times that we're watching this. I'm like, why? Why do we have this right. in the movie? Go ahead. And it what is definitely, say? it's not the same wife. It's not the same character as in the TV the show. The TV show. Night. Right. Yeah. Um, which is a whole different ball game. issue. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the, uh, it's like a different wife altogether. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I did not go back and double check whether he actually was married in the books or not. Oh, Right. Yeah, there's, there's like what seven or nine books. Yeah, or there's like, like there's like eight or nine Virgil Tibbs books, mm-hmm. and uh, which I didn't think there was that many. I didn't even think there was more than two. Oh yeah, but he's there like, is. He's like a Perry Mason type. Like, he's mm-hmm. a detective, and he has like all these detective mm-hmm. novels about him, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah. Let's go back and read all these. Mm-hmm. Um, there by uh, John Ball is mm-hmm. the original creator. Um, so 
if anybody knows about those or wants to check them out or just wants to drop a note to us and let us know if you've read them mm -hmm. fantastic um but i'm interested in checking them out yes so. uh valerie tibbs is played by barbara mcnair yes who later would have some trouble around um uh, through uh she got caught with a bunch of heroin at the playboy mansion mm -hmm. in 1972 a uh, year after the third movie of the Tibbs movies, the organization came out. Yeah. So um, there. I mean, this is a trilogy, you would say. Yeah. Um, but we're gonna get into why maybe this movie works and why it doesn't. Yeah. At the same time, uh, the prostitute is killed by what we think is a three-armed <laughs> man. We're not for sure, but the opening scene is the scene of the crime. And she is being choked by whoever it is. Yeah. We don't know. We see two hands upon the neck. And then we also see the guy reach for a blunt instrument to knock her over the head while he still has both of his hands on her neck. Yes. So we're looking for a three-armed man. We don't know. But uh, people have pointed that out before in the past. It is a mistake. Um, <laughs> it is um, something that's kind of funny. Um, it opens it up and becomes kind of kitschy in itself. Yeah. And kind of takes you out of the movie right away. It does. Um, well, having said that, he... that does. I'm not saying this is a bad movie. No, no, There no, are no, points no. to the movie that are fine. Um, but I don't really, I didn't even really like, like the detective aspect uh, of the story. Um, I didn't really prefer, I did not prefer the family part of it at all. It was. I thought that was weird, and I thought that was out of characteristic of Tibbs. Yeah, from the first movie. Yeah, the, so I guess my whole. I don't know. First, I mean, off, he likes to slap people, so he right. slaps his um, right. like well, three the, or four times. Well, the, in the first movie, um, and the first movie about as titillating as things got was when. Yeah. Uh, the one police officer pulls up his car and you can see the girl in her window. Right. Uh, you know, but everything's covered up. This one immediately Done in a very nice with, manner, by the way. Yes. Like in a very like, okay. Yeah, but it's kind of got that like sleazy feel to it. This yes. one is like... But less it, is more. It opens up on like kind of this it almost has more of a, like a psychedelic you know yes. kind of film thing what do you say like it looks like six lava lamps in one <laughs> yes and like that's exactly bright, right bright lights keep kind yeah, of blinking. It, keeps, it keeps flashing it's to very like 70s very early 70s yes late 60s and it doesn't fit well with uh tibbs right no. there's nothing cool about tibbs in this movie but the soundtrack and being in San Francisco tries to make him cool, but he's not cool to me. Yeah. There's almost a geek quality about Gibbs or Tibbs. I'm sorry, not Gibbs thinking of NCIS or something like that. Oh. Um, but Damn there's almost Marla. like this geek quality. Yeah. There's geek quality about him that I do enjoy. Right. And I yeah. don't think I got that in this movie. Yeah. I think they um, were trying to make him be cool. And yeah. I'm like, why? Uh, I think like, well, I think, like, that opening was way too psychedelic for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, that would have worked if the movie had a certain, like, tone to it. Like, if that you were more... Look. If the bad guys were, like, like ex-hippies or, like, the drug trade aspect was a bigger piece or, like, you know, an mm. acid trip in the middle of it or something. Like, 
that all would have made more sense to, to me. To me, but... this movie is five years too late and ten years too early. Yeah, I would agree. Do you know what I mean? Including yes. including the soundtrack, which is a great soundtrack. Yes. The music is wonderful. Does not fit the movie. Yeah. I think this movie... Quincy Jones again. Yeah, the, the it's Quincy Jones again. Great music. But it almost feels like it should be super fly. Should be in one of those... Like, I, honestly, like it felt like the movie felt like it had elements where it wanted to try to be like a black exploitation mm-hmm. film, and it just did not. It didn't go that direction. It's like black exploitation light. Yeah, like yeah. it was. I don't know. It was. I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. But no, it's like I, it wanted to be a bunch of things. I but... couldn't put my three hands around it. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Well, and basically the rundown, real quick, is that uh, Virgil, uh, some guy, basically, this the prostitute gets choked and bludgeoned, and uh, the handyman in the building comes in to grab her trash to throw it out, and then realizes she's been killed. The owner of the building is like, hey, I'll take care of it, and says, hey, I just saw this preacher mm. Morgan Sharp running for it. Right. He's a big like pulpit politician. Yeah, he's like, like reform a, neighborhood kind of he's yeah, he's like a liberal street preacher is talking right. about like you know, we need to it, like smaller government and you know, basically he was trying to get away from he's like the the government isn't taking care of us, so we need to take care of our own neighborhoods and like People need to go together, and like the money needs to be reallocated mm-hmm. to like individual neighborhoods. And... But it felt like like Tibbs and him were supposed to be friends, but I never got the feeling like they really were. Yeah, like it didn't. Did you? Uh, yes and no. At first, I thought, well, so anyway, they they say it's sharp, and when they call everything in, the the owner of the building, who's the played by Zerby, mm-hmm. uh. Mm-hmm. Basically, that wasn't Tom Skerritt. No, no. It was oh, oh. He, could have fooled me. What, really? Yeah, I thought it was Tom Skerritt. Oh, no, did not no. even look close. Oh, shut up! You were like, "Oh, look at the prostitute, Catherine Hahn." And she did Catherine <laughs> Hahn for a second. She did for a second. Um, but the uh, they call it in like anonymously, and they're just like, "Oh, we hear it sharp and whatever," and so they go and tell Tibbs because they know he's friends with him. Or, like, somehow connected to him. But I didn't get any of that. Right, and I thought maybe he was part of his, like, congregation. I thought that, but too. Then, but then I'm like... And then they show him, like, in a scene where, like, but they're he's not having praying a, with a church service. And then as people clear out, I realize he's there with other detectives. So I'm like, oh, so you're not part of this. Yeah. And so I don't know if it's just, like, a community thing. Like, he just knows him through the community aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, or what. But, like... Morgan Sharp is like he he coaches football and he like does all this stuff and he's like for the people. They had a uh, they went to his house. They go and collect all his clothes because uh, the gal had new carpet and so they're looking for these carpet fibers and there was like broken glass so they're looking for that and they come up with nothing so he gets marked off as like a suspect. Um, and they bounce around through some other people. Yeah, but I don't feel like he was a friend. I feel like Gillespie was more of a friend in the first movie to him than this guy was. You know what I mean? It was Gillespie, like, he didn't even like him. 
It was just like stuck with them. It reminded me of the way that their friendship is. It reminds me of like, you know, in TV shows when they go, oh, it's my old friend so-and-so who you've never heard of and you will never hear from again. You'll never see him again. Like like, it felt like guest starring this week, Martin Landau. Yeah, that's what it was. It was like that kind of felt like it felt like a TV show where it's like you just have to accept that they're somehow friends Mm. and there's nothing really there that shows that they are. Right, uh, but since this is a movie, I need a little bit more build up with that. That's just me, though. But you know, right, like if they know. were if they were doing stuff together as like family before that, or like right, right. they were they, working together, and then he was like, "Hey, Virgil," you know, and told mm-hmm. them whatever. Um. So yeah, they they go around. They they figure out that the uh, the the building owner uh, tells them that like that's a sublease on the. Uh, the apartment that the girl was in, it belongs to another real estate guy. They traded apartments or something like that mm-hmm. to, to house each other's mistresses or whatever. Sure, something like that. And it was... Uh, Eddie Asner. Ba- yeah, Edward Asner. And uh, he, like, I know it's a toupee, or like a wig. It's a toupee, yeah. But it made him look a Didn't lot you, younger. Like I said, they call me Mr. Wiggs. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Wiggs and... Hell to pay. <laughs> uh, so he, he has. Uh, so they go to question him, and he tried to get away. And he, it was just, it's a ridiculously long scene. It's a ridiculous. They have a yeah. scene. They go to question him, and he's just like, "Oh, if you'll excuse me, I just need to check whatever." And like he goes out to the hall and like runs and away. Runs. And his wife is like, "Honey, where are you going?" And she just keeps running because his wife is also works at this place. And she's like, "He'll be back." And Tibbs watches yeah. him run across the street and like two. There a was car. moments where I felt like this movie wasn't intentionally trying to be funny, and it just is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it just has those moments. It- it and literally like the room. Yeah, it like, literally it just... feels like they smashed a bunch of episodes of Dragnet together. <laughs> That's what it felt like to me. It does. Yeah, but even it, but like the sets feel like a TV show. Like everything just feels very TV, right? Yeah, because not a lot of stuff is outside. Yeah, a lot of stuff was outside in the first movie. Yeah, so it made you feel. Do you know? What yeah, I mean? yeah. That you know you were, that that was part of. Like the, the the town, the small southern town, is a character in itself. Yes. And to me, I'm like, I don't feel like San Francisco. No, no, not is at like all. even that important. So I'm like, why didn't you just keep him in Philadelphia? Yeah. Why or Pasadena or whatever? Probably it probably was cheaper to film closer right. to there. Mm-hmm. Honestly, um, they also like. Um, I don't and know, he already had the set from probably the detective. Probably. <laughs> so he was just like, let's yeah. just do that. Yeah. It was, and honestly, it was pretty weird because, um, like, there's stuff. It's just so, it is, it's like a TV show thing. They go through this big manhunt to get, this big chase and manhunt to get Ed Asner. His car, like, blows up, <laughs> basically, when he yeah. wrecks it. Um, but then they're like, Oh, he's innocent and free to go because his fingernails were uh, right. long, which means it would have left impressions on her neck. <laughs> right. But then we don't have the scene. The, the scene that actually talks about the fingernails mm-hmm. with the choking doesn't come up until the next scene. 
Right. So Everything's like, just out of so place. It just felt like it was out of order. Also, like they're like, how did she get the bruising on the back of her neck? It was probably from a wristwatch. I don't know anyone that chokes with like that. Do you know what I mean? Well, and they were talking about necklaces and whatever else, and so they look at it. Yeah, but even that didn't amount to much because that was just the other prostitutes. Well, no. Or what? It did, eventually. Kind uh, of. But they kind of look at it, and like Tibbs looks through some necklaces, and he sees one and puts it back, and he's just kind of like looking through which ones look like they might be hers or that could have made the bruising on mm. her neck. And then they have like a whole thing. Then like he's he chases down the maintenance guy who's hiding, and then he goes back to like the the drug dealing pimp building owner, and like <laughs> that guy gets killed. And then like they go through this whole thing. But it of, feels like, like you're trying to cut budget, so you're just using you're just reusing a set, yeah, over and over. So yes, like, yeah, it was. They let's go back, back to the to pimps, the, the pimps apartment. apartment, like over and over, which yeah. also looks like the whore's apartment. Yes, I'm sorry, prostitute's apartment. Sorry. There you go. But yes, um, and so like they keep doing it over and over, mm. and uh, eventually, like he's he's looking and he realizes uh, he goes back and talks to the girl's name is I think Puff because she's like the pothead. Yes, whatever Puff. his his uh, his girlfriend, the pimp's girlfriend. Uh, and so he talks to her, and he was like, wait, you got whatever because you went back into her right. apartment. And you went back into her apartment so that you could get, what were you looking for? And realized she was looking for her necklace, the one he looked at earlier. But when he went and looked at it, it wasn't there. And then he remembered he commented on uh, Sharp wearing a necklace earlier. Oh. And then he... Well, that's Beverly Todd. She played... Don Cheadle's mom in Crash. Oh. Terrible movie. Yeah. Interesting. By the way, Ed, Ed Asner's wife was uh, the lady who played Goldie, Golda in uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Hmm. So. Um, Directed by Norman Jusen. Yeah. The original director. Of, okay. Yeah. It all comes back. <laughs> but they... Uh, I enjoyed Puff, by the way. Yeah, she was a she was a fine character. She was a fine character. Yeah, yeah, she was. I she had a good scene towards the end. That yes, I she did. Quite enjoyed. Well, they realized. Uh, Tibbs realizes that. Wait, the necklace she was going for. I saw that earlier, but it wasn't there. Also, uh, Sharp had on a necklace earlier, and he said it was his mother's. And so he goes to a jeweler. Just apparently, there's only one in San Francisco. There is, and he realizes that uh, Sharp. His, his came name in. is Jim Diamond. <laughs> it's me, Jim Diamond. Selling to Bayside. <laughs> Selling those class rings to Bayside. <laughs> so he, he goes and realizes that he has my girlfriend, Slay Moon Fry. <laughs> he has um, that he like replaced the clasp. And that's what it was from, was because the class broke because he yeah. yanked it off her neck. And that's what the bruise came from. Yeah, we got, yeah. And so sort of. the original person who was accused was the guilty fucking person. Yeah, the whole time. We, it was the biggest waste of time. It's like you're watching a Columbo show and you're like, oh, the guest star? That's him. Yeah. That's the killer. Yeah. You know? But it just oh, Joan, like, Cro- it or, like uh, Joan Collins is on this week? It's her. But it also felt like such a waste because, like... Oh, it is a waste. Tibbs, the whole time, is like, it's not him. 
Like, I'm positive it's not him, or I... No, I felt like Tibbs didn't want it to be him because it was his friend. Yeah. And if we are going to throw... Like, I thought... Okay, we're not using this correctly. What made the first movie so great, not only the fish-out-of-water aspect, but the fact of of class um, and uh, education, uh, race, anything that uh, separates the two factions from each other... Um, we could have done that with politics and religion, and we did nothing with that. Correct. And I thought, what a wasted opportunity it, to do it that. It was. Well, and and we, you and I had this conversation, too, about, like, how problematic uh, the heat in the, in the heat of the night TV show is. Because... Well, I just saw the pilot i don't really you know well no but it, it is like oh, you mean like the white savory yeah kind of because stuff that comes because with yeah yeah there's in the heat of the night which is tense the t- the movie mm-hmm. and then they were like let's make a tv show yeah and like the white people are all wise and kind that's the old south mm-hmm. and like there's there's no racism they or can't at least be no, racist yeah, at least no overt racism the bad guys are always yeah. the ones who are super racist and so there's it's not like there's not like the racist light people. There's nothing like that. No, there's either you're racist or you're not. Yeah. And you're white both times. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's not. So it's very problematic in that aspect. Yeah, it's it's problematic. With systematic racism. It felt like they were saying it felt like they were saying. Did you like in the heat of the night? But right. that racism made you feel bad. But that made we'll you feel a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. So because, we'll get rid of that part. Because come on, you're not racist, right? No, yeah, you are. And even like Tibbs in the the pilot seemed like a little bit like, you know, it was like right. Colonel it was like Connor was wise, and he was right. the old guy who was there. But it was like oh, the black who, guy's yeah. coming to take my job away. Yeah, and was very callous and about was, it. Yes, like, and you're like, and I made, I got the contract. Yeah, don't. Where's it, my it office? Just felt very. It was like way and off. I'm like, of what it was. Why, why are you writing it like this? Yeah. It's so no. Yes. Mm. Well, I almost get the same feeling with this. It felt like they were Hey, did you like Virgil Tibbs? But the first movie was like but way I mean, intense. Let's let's take it out of a let's take it out of a setting. Right. You don't get me wrong, they don't give uh Sidney Poitier the material to chew any scene up. No. Like they waste him, right? Yeah. There, there's those moments with the family that I guess maybe are supposed to supply that. Yeah. But it almost becomes awkward. Yes. And I think we should talk about that because we talked a lot about the detective part of it. Yes. But we we bring in the family aspect. Right. Which, again, I think if you're going to do that, you better do that, but have that kind of crossover with the case or have that like help them with the case yeah. a little bit, which it did a little bit, but not enough for me. To to satisfy us having these scenes, yeah, right, yes. Like, I don't know how you felt with with the family stuff, yeah, but um, especially with the son. I felt like this was where I kind of was like lost. Yeah, I was with... too. Like, it felt like I always think of like when I think of the family stuff mixed into like a cop movie. Mm-hmm. I think of like Lethal Weapon. And how, right. how Danny Glover like interacts with his family mm. during it, like it seemed much more like, oh, here's his family life versus whatever, and like you get like the his wife Virgil Tibbs's wife, 
uh, I don't even remember what her character's name was. I keep on, Valerie. Valerie. Yeah, Valerie. Virgil and Valerie. Yeah, Valerie. Valerie. Is, <laughs> Valerie. Uh, Valerie's like, at first she's like, welcome to see him home and whatever. And like, he comes in and his son is just like blaring music on the TV. And then they go, he goes down to see his daughter and tucks her in. And then they make out over the sleeping daughter. What? Yeah. It was weird. And then, uh, no, my favorite is like, they walk into the daughter's room and you're like, yep, she's fast asleep with all the lights on. Yeah. Every light on the set. Which is like, I mean, you do that too, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but it was like, okay. And so, uh, we also have, like, later he comes home. Well, his daughter is having, the wife says that she's having trouble at school in gym. And so the next day he's, like, trying to help her. She has to stand on her head for 30 seconds for something. Weird, but whatever. Uh, but so he's trying to help her with that. Um, everything seems pretty normal at this point as far as, like, family life stuff. And then... And then, like... He catches his son. Yeah, when he well, and, he comes back later, and the daughter is outside, standing on her head, mm-hmm. still practicing. He comes in, and like the daughter follows him, and then he slaps his wife on the ass, mm-hmm. and she's like not happy about that. And he's like, "I read that uh, <laughs> if if uh, the guy slaps you on the ass, you're supposed to look happy, because then that teaches uh, your daughter about not a tips, positive me. sex message based on the first movie that is." out of character for Tibbs. That yeah. is them trying to be like, we got to have, make him like urban and we got to make him, you know, like they, kind I think of like they tried to like hyper tough sexy, you know? Yeah. Like, and I'm like, why, why can't he just be who he is, which is this kind of nerdy, but fun in the way that like, he knows how to solve a crime. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Like in in a way, you know, and I'm just like, well, that's stupid. And then he runs into his son, catches his son and his friend smoking cigarettes. Yes. And so he teaches him a lesson, makes him smoke a stogie and drink, what, scotch? Yeah. Okay. And then slaps his kid three times. Well, that, right? okay, so, well, I mean, no. this is child abuse to he, me. He gives him that stuff and makes him basically throw up throw up um but he tells him you know you've been acting up and you're gonna have to uh like look at this room it's a mess you know you need to be able to take care of yourself because in a few years you're gonna be done with school and you're gonna be out of this house and you're gonna be this and this like you know you're not gonna be able to do these other things like you have to decide whether you want to go to like into the military and like all these other things he's like rattling off and he's just like um, you have to like get your shit together because you're almost out of here or in 10 years, you'll be out of here. Okay. And 10 and, years. Yeah. And so it was this very weird conversation. Very but weird. I was like, again, I don't feel like Virgil would like make his kid, like force him to smoke a cigar no! until he barfs. No. Um, but then also like, so then later on he comes back, um, and or he he had told him you need to be nicer to your sister was whatever because he was just picking on her. So when he comes home later, the wife is walking upstairs with the daughter who's like holding her arm and she's like, 
he uh your son punched her and twisted her arm and threw her Legos all over the room. And uh he says he doesn't have to listen to us and doesn't have to whatever. And then she goes into like, you're never here. You're never around. Like, you're late for dinner again and all this. And I'm like, whoa, what happened? Like, that right. was a really big jump. That didn't come up. Everything seemed happy earlier. And all of a sudden this comes up. And uh, so he goes downstairs to talk to his son. And there's Legos everywhere. Like, old-timey Legos. And he's like, he and he he goes, could you please clean this up for me? Which I'm also like, that also doesn't seem like Virgil, that he would just be like, hey, buddy, would you do whatever? No. And it seemed like he's trying to be like, buddy, buddy with his son. His son's like, he's like, I need you to not hit your sister and I need you to whatever. And he goes, but she annoys me because I'm blah, sorry, blah, blah. If you could put up with races in the South, you yeah. can get your kid to yeah. pick up his Legos. Yes. You've got the skills to do that. Right. But you he, solve homicides for a living. Yeah. You've seen worse. Yes. But, and then he, he like, um, he asks him to do it and the kid says no. And then he's like, slap, just slaps him fucking hard across the face. And I was like, oh my God, Virgil. Yes. And then he goes, uh. This guy's not Alicot from the first movie. And cut from the first movie. Yeah. Yeah. And so he goes, he was like, I'm, you going to clean your room up? And the kid's just kind of like, no. And then he slaps him again. He's like, I don't want to do this, but like, you got to clean your room. Are you going to clean it and whatever? And he's talking. And he slaps the kid again when the kid said no. And he's like on the verge of tears. And he slaps him again. He's just like, I don't want to do this, buddy. And blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, no matter how many times you do this, I'm not going to clean it up. And then he just hugs his son. And that was, I was like... What a weird fucking scene. Weird scene. And then we never come back to the family after that. Yes, we don't. Do we? Well, we do at the end when they come, when they're all out there. When, um, yes, when know, they make the arrest. Martin of Landau, the, when they make the Martin arrest. Landau. Yeah, but that's it. That's about it. And I felt like it was like the the end shot was supposed to be like, look, we're a happy family. And I'm like, are you? Like, you don't feel like a happy family. Yeah, it was weird. Like, I was trying. You to... should be a happy family because there should be nothing wrong with your family. Yeah, I you tried should be to, like I any other normal for... family in the yeah. world. I tried to tried to figure out if there was like supposed to be some symbolic meaning to any of that. It didn't really feel like there was. It didn't feel like it. I felt I felt like they were like, we have to, like you said, we have to make it more, yeah. um, down to a level. Like it, it does dumb the movie down for the audience a yeah, little bit. I think so. Now, I'm not saying again, this is a fine movie. Like it's shot fine. It's acted really well. Yeah. Don't get yes. me wrong for, for what they have. Yes. But what they have isn't necessarily as great as the first movie. Nothing is going to be with just the, the amount of, just electricity that those two actors brought to the screen, mm-hmm. you're not going to capture that again, right? No. Not unless you have those actors again. Yeah. So it's a little hard. I get it. But I, the only thing I can think of then rewrite or do yeah. something. The only thing I could think that they were trying to get to with all of that was that, you know, here's this preacher who put on this like exterior that people, people thought he was one way, but he was somewhere else, something else right. in private. And that the same is true with Virgil. That he puts on this 
you know, good family exterior that we see at the end, but like in private, they're not. But in both instances, it just does not work. It it, it fails. Yeah, it doesn't reach up to that symbolism. Yeah, it's it just very. I don't know. It mm. is. It's awkward. Mm. Um. But but. Yeah. Cindy Bate is wonderful in this movie. Oh yeah, very very much for so. what he is given, which is not the right material, because again, it's it's like where Cindy Bate is given something where it's like you're the most important person because you have to show everything that a that a whole race has been put upon, and that's a big thing to lift on just one person's shoulders to begin with. But it feels like every movie that has to be it for Sidney Poitier, and and as much as like these movies of his do have that aspect, like they don't always have to be like that, right? Yeah. And if they are, then let him chew scenes up. He is an he's an actor that can act. Let him do it. I Give honestly like it. Just feels like they're trying to get him to be more of an action star. Um, because and and oh, especially the kung fu, like the yeah, he has chopping a couple, scene. Like, where he starts hitting people, mm-hmm. and he's like really like karate chopping people in the neck and like, mm-hmm. doing stuff. It's very weird, especially like him fighting in in the heat of the night. It's kind of raw, kind of like you know, he's not like some kung fu master, but like here he's very. No. It's very cheesy TV fight. Mm-hmm. Whoop. And so uh, with the Quincy Jones like soundtrack, yeah, and the so it feels like Batman's gonna be like, bang, yeah. The ow. soundtracks between t- the two of them are so different too. Like, I mean, the, I get the last why. one had the last one was uh, in in the heat of the night. Like, it has the country. It has blues. like country. It almost has this like so it has like a swamp. Like at times there's like it's like swamp rock combined with funk, mm. and you get that kind of like oh yeah okay like it it fits so well. But here it just sounds like really generic funk music. And so it's like, I don't yeah. know, like nothing felt like it was, it just felt it like a TV show. It didn't fit, again, it didn't fit what we know of Tibbs. Yeah. Everything that they that this movie was given towards Sidney Poitier's character did not fit what we know from the first movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so didn't putting it all together did not work. You know, as much as they wanted to, it doesn't. So, you know. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, there you go. Yes. Uh, do we want to do our five questions? No. We just want to keep you. Okay. We've been deuced. <laughs> no, I don't know. Okay, yeah. Well, we, yeah I don't we know what else there is to say about this, really. Uh, I mean, we've said a lot, but yeah. go ahead. I, I just don't know. There's really not that much depth to a lot of this. No, let's do our five questions then. What do you think is the best part of this movie? Uh, Sidney Poitier is the best part of this movie. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about it. Um, he is the movie. It's Mr. Tibbs. Yeah. He is Mr. Tibbs. Yeah. Um, kudos to Martin Landau at the end. Yeah. Having a scene. Yeah, his scene was great um, there. That was good. Um, but for the most part, it's Poitier's yeah. movie. Yeah, I mean, Sidney Poitier does really well with what he's given. Mm. I think it's not the greatest script, I don't think. No. But he, I mean, he's Sidney Poitier. He does, <laughs> does 
he does great with other things. I wish he had more stuff to like that was just more pure dramatic. Maybe you let him like, you know, get some speeches off or something like that. But also, um, also he's funny. So give him funny yeah, things. Exactly. It's fine. Yeah. Um, well, gee, I was going to say Sidney Poitier, but maybe I'll see Ed Asner. <laughs> you could say it too. Oh, Ed Asner is wonderful <laughs> in this movie. I don't know. The, the guy with three hands, he's great too. <laughs> um, no, I mean, the characters The music overall... is great too in this. It's wrong for the movie. Yeah, I think so. Um, I would say Sidney Poitier too is the best mm-hmm. part. Like, I wish they would have given him more to do, but like with what he works with, like, I believe like he's that police detective. Mm. I, I agree with you though. Like in the first one, it was almost more of like, he was much more into the science aspect of mm-hmm. it. Uh, that kind of a, you know, detective where he was. Yes. The most clinical thing he says is semen. Oh yeah. This is a, this is the oldest movie I've ever heard the word semen in. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty crazy. He nights the first oldest movie I can think of with the word abortion in it. That's true. That I ever saw. So, you know, there you go. Um, but yeah, I, Sydney Poitier does a great job. Um, do you think this movie stands on its own? Yeah, because they change so much. Yeah, that it does. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's no reference to the first movie except for the title. Except for the title, which is which, just a cash grab. Which is definitely just a cash grab. Yeah. Because you just are like, oh, well, oh, he's Mr. Tibbs. I meant to mention, you know, nobody calls him Mr. Tibbs in this movie at all, despite the name. No. Um, they either call him Verge. They say Virgil. Virgil Tibbs. They call him either Verge, Virgil, or they call him Lieutenant Tibbs. Or Lieutenant Tibbs. Yeah, nobody calls him Mr. Mr. Tibbs, Tibbs at all. I was no. waiting for it. And I did not catch it. <laughs> Nobody calls him Mr. Tibbs. No, but besides that, I don't think I think it stands on its own, which yeah. is a bad thing because I think they changed too much. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think I think just by the virtue of like how far the stands away from there, like it's because because then you can kind of take it. It's almost like you could have taken it anywhere. And it did go somewhere far away from the original one, mm-hmm. like and to an awkward place. But like they also, it is it's so far removed. It's not like it went back to Philadelphia because then we could at least say, oh, he lived in Philadelphia or he's single. Oh yeah, he's single. He said that in the first one. He's both married with children and living in San Francisco and has been employed there for many years. Right. They're like and so. This is this is your twelfth year here. Yeah, we've had you for twelve years. What? Yeah, what? And so it's confusing. 1967 was right. when he was in the South. So it's confusing to me because, like, I mean, it's outside of the name. Nothing connects. Nothing. Yeah. It's very odd. Name an actor. That's it. Yes. Name an actor. Nothing else. Yeah. Ridiculous. Uh, does this make you want to watch the first one? This movie doesn't make me want to watch the first one. If I would have seen this one first, mm. I don't think I'd have been interested in the first one. No. Um, tonally and just cinematically, everything is so different. They're they're very different movies, right? Mm-hmm. So like you said, um, when we were watching this, I could see why people who liked the first movie might be upset by this movie. Yeah. This movie is very, like, the soundtrack is so fast, and then the dialogue is so slow. 
Yes. So it doesn't mix very well with me. Yeah, it's just it feels the pace is off somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm with you with that. It does not like if this was the only one I had watched in the series, I would not want to watch the first one because I would assume it was more of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does. It feels like watching Dragnet. Like it just feels like a, a generic cop procedural mm-hmm. TV show of the day. So. Law and Order, SVU, San Francisco. Yeah, Dragnet, Adam 12, that kind of stuff. Whatever, yeah. Yeah. Um, would you reboot, continue, or cancel? Oh, would you you want to hear my answer on this one? Yes. Well, you know that um, uh, HBO, we were talking about this. HBO did a um, Perry Mason remake. Yes. I think, and I think you might agree with me, this is probably in your, your ad too, maybe somewhere down the line, like say season three, Perry Mason runs into, uh, with his case, uh, where it bumps into one of Virgil Tibbs' cases, mm. and then they spin him off. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, because that would be have to be many years down the road, though, because I think right now it's taking place in, what, the 20s? Oh, is it the 20s? Oh, damn, you're right. Oh, man, then that won't work. It's, I mean, I guess you it's, could. Maybe it's like the 30s. It's It's... Before World War Two, but after World oh, War Oh, then I. it would have to be way down the road then. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's old. when when Perry Mason happened with the books and the movie. Mm. Then or the just TV do, show. Then just have a show of his own. You don't need to spin yeah. off him. Just have him. Oh, you know, no. Tibbs. Tibbs the show. Yeah. I couldn't remember when Perry Mason, when they said it. In the, you know, because the TV show is set, you know, modern. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I guess but, it would have to be. Yeah. But it's, I'm interested in like where that's going, and maybe you know if they flash forward far enough. But yeah. I was, also, I don't know when when John Ball's books are set. I assumed it was in the '60s. Yeah, but it could be earlier. I really don't know enough about the book to to tell True. you quite honestly. So maybe it would work. Maybe and, who knows? You know, maybe. It's well, just, what do you say? Um, I just personally, I just say. I was thinking the same thing as far as like HBO making a show. I would rather have a show similar to Perry Mason, how we delved into his backstory and eventually worked up to where. Do you want it to be period or do you want it to be modern? I, I want it to be a period thing, but I would rather it be a What about an story. exclamation point? A quotation mark? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, loud? Uh, ampersand. Mm. Octothorpe. Octothorpe. Damn it. You beat <laughs> me to that. Uh, but no, like I thought. Getting it to the point where it's like, okay, diphthong, <laughs> diphthong. getting it to the point where it's like, um, let's explore his, his past or like maybe him coming up as a cop in, you know, in Philadelphia, in West Philadelphia, <laughs> you know, coming up through the ranks or whatever, mm-hmm. becoming a detective or becoming that like science nerd detective who's getting his chance. And then maybe like. Season three, yeah, something is like that. In the heat of the night, whatever. Yeah. Like we were talking about that. Like season three could be where he is in the heat of the night. Yes. So we get that aspect, but like right. it's it's not the whole show. Correct. Like so, it's like a Hannibal, but like Science of the Lambs is like season four or five. Yes, exactly. Or Red Dragon is like yes, season, season three. Whatever. whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly what I'm thinking. Like I, I think you should work your way up to that. But, like, really give us a chance to, like, build up his character. And that way, too, you differentiate it from the original performances of Mm -hmm. In the Heat of the Night because it's so iconic. Mm -hmm. And that way it breaks it away from the TV show and the movie a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but yeah, that's how I would go. But you know, this actually did have a sequel or had a third part. We talked about that mm-hmm. called the organization. The it was just reading the premise of it. So just to to fill you all in. After a group of young revolutionaries breaks into a corporation's headquarters and steals $5 million worth of heroin to keep it off the streets, they call on San Francisco Police Lieutenant Virgil Tibbs for assistance. Though sympathetic to their cause, the straight arrow Tibbs refuses to consider it because they broke the law. But when the group is accused of murder it didn't commit, Tibbs finally joins them in order to ferret out the identity of the real killer, while keeping his now-rogue undercover investigation... A secret from his SFPD superiors. What? Yeah, and the drug dealers that run the the organization are all like uh, drug dealing and hitmen businessmen. So like there there there's a guy in like a, a three piece suit across the building with a sniper rifle, like <laughs> shooting people in one scene. Can't wait to watch it. Oh my god! And Raul Julia's in it. Yes. So yeah. Perfect. Good times. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, describe your experience in two words. Uh, my two words are nodge podge. Nodge podge? Not, like not podge. Because it's a hodgepodge of nothing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's like a whole cornucopia of, of ideas that don't quite work. Nodge podge. Not podge. Get it? I don't. Your two words? Um, tangential sequel. So it's only... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I made up a word. What? Tangential's not... You made up a word or I made, I made up, a up a word? What? Okay, that's fine. I didn't judge you for that. But... Oh, but I'm judging you for this. Why are you judging me for tangential? It's an actual word. I know, but why do you gotta be all high flu? Oh, look at you! Virgil, Tibbs, being all fancy with your words. <laughs> um, no, it's like it. How much? How much money do you make? What? One hundred and sixty-three dollars and sixty-three. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, one hundred sixty dollars oh. and thirty-nine cents. Um, also the guy who played Wajahowitz on uh, Barney Miller is in the sequel too. Oh, uh, and, and the, the organization. One. Yeah. Nice. Um, but the uh, I'm gonna watch that now. I think it's like it's a sequel. It's not like it's not like American Psycho or Single White Female Two, where it has nothing to do with the first one, outside of name only. They purposely did this. This character, it's the same character, and I think like they wanted to continue the story, but again, the story is so generic that it just feels like. It's only just kind of kind of associated with it. Like you could have replaced Virgil's character with pretty much anybody mm-hmm. and had it be the same uh, or changed the setting or changed whatever. Like it's just very generic and it's just only tangentially like kind of connected to the first one through Virgil. There you go. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, you've been deuced on that one. You've been deuced. Yeah. So uh, here that 
you can find us in certain places. Yes, you can. Is one of those places YouTube? Uh, apparently. Because we had a lot of downloads for our last episode, uh, 166, the Miser Brothers episode on yes. YouTube. We did. We had like 40 views on YouTube. Wow. And we're not, we're not even showing anything on YouTube. It's just a picture and us talking. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to bring that up. And we also uh, have a Facebook page. We do. Uh, and uh, go ahead and tell people about the Facebook page. So the Facebook page. Uh, How do you get into the Facebook page? Uh, so you just look up the deuce. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but do you have to add, like, is there like a question that you there can is. ask? What's there the question? Is. You know, we ask, what is the show about to make sure that you know what it is? Mm-hmm. Uh, because in the past, we had a lot of people who uh, were coming in to see the deuce on HBO. The deuce on HBO. Now, that is now that, past. That movie, or that show is dumb. Yes, we for a while like so it was big like when it was first mm. in America, we got a ton of like American things. As it went to other countries, those countries did the same thing. Mm. Now it's pretty well faded off. Yes, it's faded off. We got a lady <laughs> last week. <laughs> yes, who wanted to join our Facebook group? She did. And uh, the, should I should I read what it should I read what it says? Yes. Okay, we're gonna read this. Let me get it mm-hmm. pulled up here. Um, because it is pretty... But it does prompt you to ask... It asks a question. Yes. What is the Deuce podcast about? Yes, it does. And does it let you fill it in, too? Does it give you, like, a choice and then fill in? Yeah, you get to fill in what it is. So we say, what is the Deuce podcast? And they said, a podcast about movie sequels. Doing great so far. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the usually people fail at that point because they mm-hmm. say... You know, These a show on questions. HBO. We're not trying to trick our... Yeah, they say it's a show listeners. on HBO, and then I go, sorry, wrong. Right. I'm sorry, you called the wrong number. <laughs> you know, like, and so... We don't want to say... Look, if these people are baggage you and all completists, we do not want to, you know, not have the, you know, give them right. updates, oh, yeah. which we yeah. don't know about. Yeah. And then I said, why would you like to join the Deuce podcast mm-hmm. page? And they said, updates on Yellowstone. <laughs> Now, last time I checked, Yellowstone, a show on (laughs) Paramount Plus, has nothing to do with the deuce, and is also not a movie sequel. So they got the first question right, but the second one, they wanted updates from a television show called Yellowstone, so they want updates of a Yellowstone, to which I think I responded to you, here's my update of Yellowstone. Yep, still yellow. (laughs) <laughs> what do they want anyway so if you do want to join our facebook group uh do be prepared to answer uh, be prepared a to couple answer questions. questions there are other ways that you can join in on the fun jeremy what are those other ways uh you can go to twitter at deuce podcast uh you can go to uh google play stitcher apple podcast a lot of those podcatchers you can find us at so uh definitely check that out um yeah and then mm-hmm. uh, while you're, if you're on Twitter looking us up at Deuce mm-hmm. Podcast, you can also find a lot of our podcast mates there. Mm-hmm. If you do hashtag AUN for Always Up Network, mm-hmm. uh, you can find a lot of podcasts that way as well. Mm-hmm. To, which, uh, to which I think I also said about the Yellowstone thing, we would give more of an update on Jellystone than Yellowstone. That's correct. Yes. You know, the bear aspect of yes. it. Yes. Which then you said we should do a podcast 
about what, what was it called? The Hanna Barbarians. The Hanna Barbarians, where we just do podcasts about we savagely we review savagely re- Hanna Barbera shows. Bar- Hanna Barbera shows. <laughs> so if you think we should, that. if you think we should continue and do Hanna Barbarians, let us Hanna Barbarians. Please let us know. <laughs> yes. We're very. I want intrigued. to pump you up. Episode forty four is is laugh olympics squiddly diddly is a piece of crap (laughs) dudley dastardly (laughs) all right all right uh be safe out there get vaccinated boosted uh wear masks do all the things that you should be doing don't listen to stupid people be safe and remember the sequel is king (laughs) 